The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're back. After a bit of a hiatus for this podcast that previews football games, uh, turns out football games are sort of an essential ingredient for that. We, we have one this week, Nebraska's annual spring game. Fans will be in the stands. The team will be on the field. And really, what more do you need? We'll get into that. You're listening to the IED Preview Podcast. I am Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. And let's talk some spring football. We're breaking new ground here today. The first ever guest of the IED Preview Podcast the honor goes to you, Hale Varsity staff writer Derek Peterson. Would you like to give a uh, Oscars acceptance speech since we're just coming off the Oscars? Well, I did not watch the Oscars, but I would like to point out that I have now been on your podcast and Greg Smith's podcast. So in the hierarchy of Hale Varsity uh, co-worker friends, yourself and Greg have created some pretty significant distance between Jacob Padilla and Aaron Sorensen. That's good. That's 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 good to know. We'll find out. We'll, we'll find out how soon they listen to this uh, from when they bring it up. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining me, Derek. Um, slightly, slightly Oscars-related note. Have you ever seen the movie No Country for Old Men? No, it's on my list, and and every time it pops up on like social media as like one of the best movies, or my dad talks about it or something like that. I'm like, I need to watch this. There are a bunch of of just. Um, incredible films that have been made that I've never seen and they're on my list but you know like last night I watched Endgame for the 15th time so like <laughs> I, I think my movie taste is just really really poor have you seen are you aware of Anton Sugar Javier Bardem's character have you seen any No Country for Old Men gifts nothing okay we're starting no. totally from scratch here I bring this up because the spring game presents some challenges in terms of previewing, at least previewing how I like to do it. Normally, I um, just have an internal dialogue with myself about all of the stats that I care a lot about, and most people probably don't. Well, there are no stats. Uh, there's only one team. They're playing themselves. So that doesn't work. So I came up with this idea of we are going to take a kind of choose your fighter approach I'm going to present Derek with five sets of two options, um, two players, and he is going to choose one. Derek, when I sprung this idea on him, asked me, well, what is it based on? Who's going to have the better spring game? Who has the higher long-term ceiling? And I said all of those things, which brings me back to No Country for Old Men. There's a famous scene. Anton Chigurh, Javier Bardem's character, is like death incarnate. Um, he's a hitman and he's psycho. He walks into a West Texas gas station. Uh, the lonely owner operator there has just watched death itself kind of walk into his, his, his gas station and Javier Bardem, who has a page boy haircut, looks totally crazy, uh, offers him a coin flip or tells him to call, call it. And the guy's like, I need to know what I'm putting up. I don't know what I'm calling heads or tails for, um, but that's the whole point. Javier Verdam either has a like coin flipping fetish, although I think it's a fate fetish where I'm not going to decide. I'm just going to flip this coin um, and it will decide. And it's, it's a great scene. You need to watch the movie. Yes, you're correct. But point is, that's the vibe we're going for today, Derek. Why are we doing this? Why not? What are the parameters? There are no parameters. So I'm going to jump right into it with maybe the biggest one. This is your first choose your fighter, Derek. Omar Manning, Samori Toure. Pick one. This is not the toughest one, but these were all tough in their own way because, because there are no parameters. In terms of potential, like I saw firsthand how freaking awesome Omar Manning can be when he's on the field, when he's healthy, when they're throwing it at him. Granted, there was half the time there wasn't a defense in front of him, but still. Um, so like if we get to see a healthy Omar Manning for 12 games, I'm very, very interested in what that looks like 
on an actual field because this dude was the top Juco wide receiver in the class of what, 2020 for a reason. That being said, when he's going up against Samari Touré, it's, it's, it's hard to pick potential over actual production you know, regardless of, of, I I don't think either of them will play a ton in the spring game. So for me more, it's like, who's going to have the better season. Who's going to be more reliable who has more potential, things like that. Like Torrey was a first team all American at the FCS level. And I don't think that that should just be written off because, Oh, he was an FCS player. They play good football. Yeah. Um, He had 303 receiving yards in a playoff game, (laughs) took a Randy Moss record in a playoff game. So he's done it at the, at a big level, at a high level that Nebraska has not been on. He had 87 catches for almost 1,500 yards as a junior. You don't get that kind of production by just being a so-so ho-hum player at the FCS level. I think he's a really good player. Will he have 1,500 yards in Nebraska's offense this season? Probably not. Um, His production is largely going to be contingent on how good Nebraska's quarterback play is, which would then be an extension of how good Nebraska's offensive line play is. Um, but I still think like somebody asked us, um, give me, you you have 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns to distribute amongst pass catchers. Like, how are you distributing it? And I said, I could see Samori Toure getting 1100 yards and like 12 touchdowns or something like that. I could totally see him taking Stanley Morgan's thousand yard record. Um, so for me, just because he's just because he's done it and he's done it at a high level and not necessarily saying that FCS football is the same as big 10 football, because he said himself, when he got here, the corners that he was going against at the FCS are not the same as the corners that he's facing in Nebraska's practice already. So I understand that, but he's still done it at a high level and he's produced at a high level. And so for me, like I'm excited about that dude, particularly because he's going to be playing in the slot. Um, I, I think he's probably my pick here. Yeah. I think I would go the same. For, for many of the same reasons. There was a, a good article recently from, I didn't write down who wrote it, but it was from 24-7 Sports about why more and more teams are putting their most dangerous guy, quote-unquote dangerous guy, in the slot. Um, and that seems to be the plan for, for Samari. Uh, Omar Manning, I think it's important. It's, it's, I hope we get to see him. I should know. We're recording this before we even know the final rosters for the spring game or have heard kind of the last pregame word from Scott Frost. Um, I hope Omar Manning plays. You got to see him in person. Uh, About 4,000 other people got to see him in person at that open practice on April 17th. I I think that was the first time I'd actually seen him on the practice field for Nebraska. And I only saw it via photos, but even those kind of, kind of jumped off the page. Um, it, it made me think I'm like, Oh, so this is the, like why he was the most asked about player in the country to only play five snaps in 2020. Um, because he just, he looks different and, 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 and Toure is a, a, a different guy um, in, in that regard, but he's done it. And, you know, it's going to be a jump up size wise, I think is probably the key, which you, which you mentioned, but it's a really high level of football. Those, those Montana teams were in the playoffs um, and we'll have another FCS guy coming up a little bit later here uh, to choose from. So let's move to defense. I debated which one to do first, um, but we're going to go with the secondary. Nebraska's got two starting safeties back, but I think we think people, I think, I think uh, you're going to get a pretty good rotation there. So your next pick one, safety Noah Polagates or Miles Farmer. If you're taking what Travis Fisher says at face value, he's got like three and a half starters at safety. Um, and I would, I would tend to take what Travis Fisher says at face value. This was the hardest one for me. So fitting that, that we do this second. Um, <laughs> I don't know because I'm, I'm very intrigued by Noah Polagates. He's, a smaller dude, but I've seen him hit some people pretty seriously. I'm not worried about his mentality or his, his kind of edginess to play safety. Um, but there's miles farmer who got into a game for like five minutes and then had two interceptions <laughs> and then didn't play again. Yeah. Um, 
and this was a guy like you and I have talked about this before. You are super high on Miles Farmer. You always have been super high on Miles Farmer. And as he's sort of been here, I've been like, man, I, I am very interested in seeing what this dude looks like on the field. Um, I'm even more so. I think this this spring game presents an opportunity for Nebraska to do some stuff with Cam Taylor Britt, move him around. Um, and because Travis Fisher tends to cross train all of his guys everywhere, I wonder how much like corner Miles Farmer has played. I wonder how much nickel Farmer has played. I mean, he feels like a guy who might be able to go down into that role. Like if you have Isaac Gifford playing that role, Farmer is what, 6'2"? He's a bigger dude. I, I feel like he might be able to go down and play some snaps in that role. Um, they've got, they've, they've just got a lot of guys who provide them with a lot of versatility and flexibility in the secondary to move pieces around. And I think because of farmer's size relative to Pola Gates, he gives you just maybe like 1%, one or 2% more flexibility to move him around. And I think when you've got like two guys at safety in uh, Dismuke and Williams, who, if they're healthy, they're going to be on the field a ton. I think Farmer being able to move around sort of gives him uh, maybe a little bit more opportunity come the season. Um, but if we're talking about just like this spring game, who am I most interested in? It might be Noah Pola Gates because we've already seen some of Farmer. We haven't seen much of Pola Gates. Um, but if the question is like, who's going to have the better season or who has the higher ceiling or things like that, it might be. It might be Farmer. I don't know. This one's tough. This one feels like just such a toss-up for me. It's a coin flip to go back to your initial analogy. <laughs> well done. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen enough of either guy. Um, if I have to pick one, I, I'm sticking with Farmer. I've, I've been on him since he signed. In fact, I think for I am North shocked <laughs> for the Northwestern um, Northwestern preview this podcast last fall. I think he was one of my three guys to watch because, um, well, it was apparent he was going to play at that point because of suspensions elsewhere, <laughs> elsewhere for Nebraska, um, half one half suspensions. Uh, so I got something right one time at least, but I think, I think you're right. The thing that intrigues me about Gates is most of his contribution has been on special teams so far. And I think you're right. He's a little bit more of a prototypical safety, um, well, I shouldn't say he's more of a prototype. He's, he's not quite as versatile as Farmer looks right now. Um, so I, I, I like that kind of grind it mentality that you have to have to play as much as he has on, on special teams. And I think we'll get a good look at him at, in the spring game. Farmer, I don't know how long of a leash he'll have. He's still coming off, coming back from injury. He's been practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Farmer's my guy for forever and ever um but i think you're right in terms of this coming game it's going to be good to get a good look at at noah just because he was a highly touted guy he was a very big late get for nebraska in that class and he's done the dirty work so far so now it's time to see what else he's what else he's ready for well the thing that's interesting too is braxton clark has not had live reps this spring or at least he hasn't had many that we've, that we've heard of. And, you know, like you said, we're recording this before we know, I don't know if he'll play a ton in the spring, if at all. So if he's out then, and, and Quentin Newsom is, is like your first team guy. Who else is at corner? You've got Nadab Joseph on one side. Who else is at corner? Probably Timon Lynham. Um, but there might be an opportunity for one of those guys to slide down a corner and play there. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah. The uncertain, the uncertainty around Clark is why we do not have a Clark Newsom pick one among our selection, because I'm just not quite sure how far along he is, but that's, that's another really interesting one. I think Um, full health. Who would you choose there? Clark, I think, but it seems like Newsom has certainly made up He's made the most of kind of having a little bit of runway here this spring um, based on what the coaches are saying about him. So is that your impression? Yeah, I'd kind of be right in that same spot. Yeah. Number three on the list. We got to do it. 
Um, I, I tried to avoid it, but we got to do it. Quarterback. Got Henrik Harburg and Logan Smothers. But first, we're going to break for halftime because that's a thing we do on this show. Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with Hale Varsity for the I-80 Preview podcast. And we have the Husker Spring Game coming up this Saturday in Lincoln. It's on May 1st. And the start time's around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, this is the time of year where high temperatures are usually around 70 degrees. But, well, this is Nebraska. So, of course, that's not going to happen. What we're going to see are temperatures closer to, oh, say, late June, early July. Uh, high pressure is going to be in control. Now, what does that mean? That means lots of sunshine. And we're, we, but we still need something to warm us up. What is it going to take? Well, it's going to be some wind. We're going to see a south to southwest wind at 15 to 30 miles per hour, and that's going to warm us up into the middle 80s. So we've got a lot of heat. We've got a lot of sunshine. So we should be drinking plenty of water to stay hydrated and wearing the sunscreen. Probably not something we've even thought about yet this year, but if you're out in the sun for three or four hours, probably going to need it. So here's your hour by hour forecast. By 11 a.m., if you're just kind of doing something before uh, the spring game starts, mostly sunny temperatures in the lower and middle 70s, and that southwest wind already starting to pick up at 10 to 20 miles per hour. By 1 o'clock, when everything gets started, mostly sunny, lower 80s, maybe even the middle 80s in some spots, southwest wind at 10 to 25 miles per hour, probably gusting a little bit higher than that. By 3 o'clock in the afternoon, mostly sunny skies, temperatures in the middle 80s with a southwest wind at 10, 20, maybe 30 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with Hale Varsity for the I-80 Preview Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the halftime festivities. Derek, we left off at quarterback. I know you've had some thoughts in the past. I'm sure you still have thoughts. I hope so. Otherwise, this is going to be a bad segment. Um, have those changed? Pick one, Harburger Smothers. I have no thoughts. My brain is actually the scene in SpongeBob where... <laughs> Everybody's running around with filing cabinets on fire. We threw out his name. Um, every season of SpongeBob got added to Paramount Plus. And so my wife and I have sort of been reliving childhood years through that. Did not realize that that show aired in 1999. So I was quite young when it first came out. Um, I will never come on this podcast again now as I've brought up Marvel and SpongeBob. Um, quarterback, I, I lean towards Heinrich as the number two guy because i think i i I think they're on equal footing in terms of experience i understand logan was here for an entire year it was a weird year he didn't have a traditional kind of practice schedule throughout his first year um he didn't play in a game heinrich comes in and i thought heinrich was really hurt by COVID throughout the recruitment process. I think he would have been a little bit bigger if COVID hadn't been a thing. I don't think it would have been as easy for Nebraska to get him. Um, I know several other people were very, very interested in him at the power five level. Um, he showed up and all reports have suggested that he surprised them with just how clean he throws the football, the mechanics with which he throws the football. And you know, Greg Smith and I were there for that open practice. And one of the things that Greg pointed out was just, he throws with really nice anticipation um, that sometimes you don't really expect to see from a first year player. And, and he'll throw a ball where the window's not open until it's halfway to its target. And you're like, Oh, well, he's he got pretty, pretty good vision. Um, he still makes freshman errors. He still overthrows some people. Um, he's put, he put a couple balls in the dirt in front of guys. Um but just in terms of, of just pure mechanics, like Heinrich, I don't, there's something about Logan Smothers throw that just feels like he's pushing it a little bit. And perhaps they, they still have some work to do there with, with the mechanics. Now he's a, he's a really good athlete. Um, we saw that as well. When he takes off, he can really, he can really go. And he obviously has a, a year advantage in terms of just being in the playbook over Heinrich. But at the end of the day, like, I think this offense, it, it, you just have to have a much better passing game than Nebraska has had for it to operate the way that Frost wants it to operate. And I think that Heinrich can probably do that right now a little bit better than what Smothers can do right now. Um, 
I don't know that the ceilings of the two guys are drastically different or or that far apart, but I still think, and I, and I thought this coming in, like I know several people and this bothered him. Several people wrote him off as just sort of a filler, a scholarship filler, a local guy. That was a good story. Didn't really have a chance. And I didn't think that at all after watching him. I thought he's, I mean, this guy looks like a power five quarterback. Um, So, you know, to be at this at this stage where we are, he's still got a long way to go. But I'm not surprised to see him really kind of firmly in that competition for the number two spot. I think he can win the number two spot. Yeah, I'll admit to being a little bit surprised and not because I thought he was filler or, you know, a, a strange COVID year and he was the quarterback they could get. I'm surprised he's in this conversation now just because he is coming from class C2 football in Nebraska and like no disrespect at all. That's, that's what I played in high school. Like, so, you know, I, I understand like, well, I don't understand how big that jump is, but I know where the starting point was um, at least 20 plus years ago. So it's, it's also probably uh, drastically different. This one's, this one's tough. And because it's pre spring game, I'm going to stick with Smothers because I want to see, I want to see Harburg. I want to see him throw um, because everything has been so glowing and you're right. He has come in, I think, and surprised even the coaches with where he's at. It's just, it's, it's a hurdle. I can't get over until I get to see him a little bit for myself. Um, and I, you know, really, I haven't seen much of Smothers either. Um, so it's, it's mostly an inexperienced play on my part because everything about him and there wasn't a ton, he didn't come up often, you know, it was just a, a strange year, but, um, what was pretty, pretty glowing as well. So I could see it. It'll be really interesting to see how we come out of this spring game, because I could see Logan Smothers having some like luke mccaffrey like plays um just the athleticism that that he has what's that oh god (laughs) yeah careful what you wish for but i could also see the same thing with harvard like if 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 what the coaches are saying you know plays out on saturday and a lot of things could impact that um and given everything everyone has heard leading up to it maybe he comes out as like the the hot new thing so i think this one's totally up for grabs you know your point about the passing offense i think was a a really good one you know we we kind of or at least i enter this season looking at if nebraska has to keep running its quarterback as much as it has it's a problem um Mm -hmm. and it's it's been a little bit of a problem not because those plays don't work they do it's that the others haven't followed along with it so you know, if you had a guy, and, and I know Harburg is an incredible athlete as well. Um, he's just taller, um, who is more comfortable passing more often than, you know, limiting. If you had to limit the amount of QB run, I don't know if that's the worst thing. I guess that's my overall point. Yeah, a couple of points. I think, um, you know, another reason why it's going to be super important for that passing game to take off, why it's going to be important for them not to run Adrian as much is because, you know, we're talking about the the number two battle being tight, but the drop off between Adrian and those guys in the number two battle is, is significant. I'm not going to deny that. So you don't want to lose that guy. Um, another point that I wanted to make, I, I wonder too, um, you know, Manning versus Torre was the, the first matchup we talked about. I took Torre as a safer pick. Um, I think. Uh, Polo Gates versus Farmer. I think Farmer was the safer pick. This one definitely uh, is the upset pick of the two of them, probably for me going with Heinrich. Um, have have you been? Ha, have you wondered why maybe we, the the talk around Logan has been more muted than it has with Heinrich? Is this something that do you do you feel like it's been more muted? First of all, are you curious that that we haven't heard more about? The, the progress that Logan has made, or maybe it's just a situation where we're asking about Heinrich because he's the new guy and we're not asking as much about Logan. I think it's a little bit of that. Um, but when I think back about, you know, what I, what I can recall hearing about Smothers from a practice this spring, um, 
the first thing is we're working on the throwing motion, you know, mm-hmm. which we, we know is kind of <laughs> Mario Verduzco's life, life's work, um, how to throw a football. And I don't say that facetiously, like seriously, that it, it is. Um, so it's, you know, it's not a surprise that that comes up pretty often with him. And, you know, maybe a stray, like he looked really good today, but it hasn't been anything in depth. I think some of that is a little bit, you know, the, the saying is, is that the most popular guy in the room is always the backup quarterback, but I'm starting to wonder if that doesn't transfer down because if we started with a pecking order of Martinez smothers, Harburg, um, and Martinez by all accounts looks really good this spring. Then we've just moved on to the backups backup who is now the most popular guy in the room. Yeah. I think too, um, one thing that's worth pointing out is that Matt Masker has, has been a help for Heinrich just because of that previous relationship that they had. Um, and all accounts are that Adrian has been really, really great for both of those young quarterbacks, just as somebody that obviously has the job that they both want to have at some point, but him helping them sort of understand the offense and being a sort of a, a soundboard for questions. If Nebraska had to play a real game tomorrow, and Adrian Martinez wasn't available for whatever reason. How much does Masker factor into that discussion? Because I know there are some people who think he'd be the first choice. And I mean, I know there's a long way to go before the fall, I know. But just another guy that you don't, you don't hear much about. Um, that one you can probably chalk up to. He's just not a scholarship guy. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he was the first choice if they had to play tomorrow, just because when when Verduzco talks about him, he talks about a guy with um, a big arm who is a is a tough Nebraska kid. I will use nice terminology that Verduzco doesn't necessarily <laughs> use PG terminology um, and talks about just just the, the control he has of the offense. So, yeah, it'd probably be probably be Masker. Let's flip to back to defense. This is one of my favorite ones um but we're going to talk about inside linebacker pick one nick henrich or chris kolarevich i hope i said his last name right we're doing this so early i haven't even seen the pronunciation guide (laughs) you want me to switch up my methodology with this one and go with nick um by most accounts kolarevich kolarevich is going to be a a regular presence on the defense this year. Um, he's, I mean, he's just another one of those guys that comes from a good FCS program that, and, and he's, he's played a lot of football. Seems like a guy that Barrett Rude can, can trust right away. Um, you know, as long as he sort of picks up the nuances of their defensive scheme. That being said, Henrich was a four-star guy and a top player in the state. Um, he, he said something interesting that he learned the defense better playing outside linebacker hmm. and that sort of move to the outside really helped him sort of um, solidify his understanding of what he was supposed to do. He's been too hurt through his first two years. We haven't really gotten to see like what exactly is Nick Henrich. He's completely healthy. I'm going to pick Henrich because I want to know what he is. And I think like the pathway for him to significant playing time this season, is probably pretty tough. It's probably a few roadblocks in the way. Um, you know, we don't know how much Will Honus is going to play in the spring game. So Nick might get an extended look in the spring game. Probably will get an extended look in the spring game. Um, but when we're talking about the fall, you've got Honus, if he's healthy, you've got Kalarovich who will probably play a ton just because, you know, you don't add like a one and done guy like that, potentially one and done guy like that. If he's going to sit on the bench. Um, And then Luke Reimer, who's super athletic. So Henrich like could potentially be sort of an odd man out, um, which I don't, I don't think he will be, but I kind of just want to know like, what is he? Because they bounced him outside to outside linebacker because there just wasn't a ton of snaps to be had at inside linebacker when Colin Miller was in the picture. And now he's back at inside linebacker and Chris Kolarevich is in the picture now. And so if he's going to stick it out at inside linebacker, um, I feel like that probably has to happen this season because they've also recruited guys on the outside that they really like. And so I think he's plenty talented enough to find a, a, like a regular role at inside linebacker 
And if Barrett Rude wants to rotate four guys in those two spots throughout the season, I think he will absolutely do that if he feels comfortable with the four that he has. And so if Nick is fully healthy, I'm curious kind of what help playing outside linebacker can provide him as he moves back inside and what kind of help, you know, learning from a guy like Kalerovich this spring or learning from Honus can, can have on his game. I think this is a, a, a low key big off season for him. I, I, I would agree. Um, Nebraska's inside linebacker spot with both of these guys in the mix. And, you know, if you had to pencil out a depth chart today, you probably just say Honus and, and Reimer and, and, and forget it. And those, those guys have definitely earned, you know, the benefit of the doubt here, but I think you've got two guys behind them that like, I'm, I'm super high on both of them. I'll probably, well, I not probably, I will take Kolarevich here. Um, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, it comes from a great FCS program. They obviously saw something in him. It's a program. This coaching staff <laughs> is familiar with um, Verduzco was there. Shenander was there. And Frost was there for a little bit before he rocketed up the assistant coaching charts. Um, but the thing I, he's also, I think he's freaky athletic. Like it's, you know, seeing his, some of his testing numbers um, while well, both here, but also seeing, you know, cause he, he, when he opted, well, FCS didn't play in the fall, so he didn't have much of a choice. He could have played this spring, but you know, he was getting some like low level, like he's at least on the deep, deep draft lists. And I mean, you know, if you're thinking, oh, this is an FCS guy who like got by on, on guts and try hard, like, no, I think he's a, a really, really good and athletic and physical player. I see a lot of the same things with, with Henrich. And, you know, if we put parameters on it of whose ceiling is potentially higher, you'd probably take the one who has more years still to play, but it is a, it's, it's a big spring for, for Nick. It's kind of strange to think while well, he missed that first spring, even though he enrolled early and then there was no spring for anyone mm-hmm. last year. And he's still like 27 tackles last year um, played really well. The outside linebacker thing's interesting. You know, I, I guess you're probably asked to do, a few more things out there. Uh, you just got to be a little bit more situationally aware of where teams are lining up and, and who you're matching up with, you know, a lot of inside linebacker. I'm not saying this is all of it, of course, um, but is filling a gap um, and, and, and really standing up against the run. So Nebraska's got kind of a, I think again, with these two, we got to see um, which we'll, we'll get a start. Um, at the spring game, but I, I don't remember how long it's been since Nebraska's had a true like inside linebacker who was in contention even for like first team All Big Ten. It wouldn't surprise me if one of these guys got there, and I don't know which one wow. of the four it is. Um, and that's that's saying a lot because the Big Ten is like a, a deep deep linebacker league. Um, you just look at it and. There's, there's so many, you look at the all big 10 teams, which I've been doing a lot lately is been pre- preparing for the, the yearbook and opponent previews. And there's just, there's always so much talent there. Like, it seems like every team has a hundred tackle guy, not last year, but, but typically. Well, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald's son, his pride and joy, Patty Fisher is, is gone. So the, the, the spot on the first team is opened up for an inside linebacker. Um, and to your point about athleticism, like, um, Henrich has to has has to have athleticism to go kick outside. Kalerovich played outside linebacker for Northern Iowa. He 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 made a point to bring that up. He's like, yeah, I played inside and outside for them. You got to have you got to be athletic to be able to do that, even at the FCS level, because you're going out and you're you're covering guys and and route concepts. Um, and and the other thing too with with both of these guys is like this is potentially a super deep room because you've got the Winden kid coming in from Hawaii. You've got Randolph Kapai, who I really like. You've got Seth Malcolm. Um, Garrett Snodgrass still kind of puttering around. Jackson Hanna's in there as well. Um, like, I, I think, you know, and and this is why, you know, Kalerovich pick is completely fine. One of the reasons I went with Henrich is, is, you know, like I said, because he's got three guys, I think, in front of him that he probably feels like pressure sure to try to close the gap or maybe not maybe that maybe there's not a gap but you know close the gap between those three guys mm-hmm. because he, he might also feel like there are some dudes 
uh, lighting a fire right under his feet at the bottom of the ladder. So, yeah, that's that. That's a really good point. It's what Nebraska wouldn't give for that sort of depth at outside linebacker. But I, I guess that's a that's a separate topic for a, a separate podcast. Um, all right, let's wrap up. We'll go back to back to offense because everybody loves points. Um, but <laughs> this one will be interesting. I'm, I'm not even sure where to slot this other than, well, they're running backs, literally. Um, but two kind of stars of the spring might be a little, maybe a little strong, but guys that got talk, gotten talked about a lot. I'm talking about walk-on, who I know the coaches basically don't consider a walk-on in Yakez Yant, and true freshman Gabe Irvin Jr., um, Irvin Jr. has missed some time in the weeks leading up to this. Um, who are you taking in that battle? Yeah, this is like the uh, the competition for the Wyatt Missouri Brody Belt uh, Spring of the Year Award <laughs> at Nebraska. Um, why, why is it always at Nebraska that for whatever reason the running backs are out <laughs> and there's one guy that gets brought up all the time because literally he's like one of three guys who can carry the football. It's incredible. Like Ryan Held was so happy when we first spoke to him at the start of spring. He was like, I have all of my guys here. This is great. And then a week goes by and he suddenly has like two guys. And I mean, this is, this is part of, this is part of the thing. So I want to sort of temper my expectations for like what, what we're hearing with Yant and what we had heard with Irvin is because we've seen two practices in those two practices uh, Ramir Johnson was out for both. Savion Morrison was out for both. Ronald Tompkins played in the second one. He did not play in the first one that we watched. These were a week apart, I think. Um, Gabe Irvin played in the first one. He did not play in the second one. Marquis Stepp is obviously out. So Stepp has been out for the whole spring. But for the other guys, it's possible that like the practices we saw were the only practices they've missed. Now, I think with like Johnson, that is maybe least likely. Um, but for somebody like Irvin or for somebody like Tompkins who just missed one of the two, like it's possible that they haven't been missing a ton of practices and, and, you know, we're making a, a big hubbub of nothing. Um, and, you know, to that point, Nebraska hasn't said a ton about what's going on in the running back room in terms of like availability for guys. That being said, one of the best, and I just wrote this at hailbarcy.com, one of the best, abilities at the skill position is just availability we saw this with omar manning a year ago it's why you and i both felt a little bit more comfortable picking samori Torre because we think he's going to be there more often um yant has by all accounts been there all spring and this dude is not a i mean he's not a brody belt or a wyatt missouri kind of running back all respect to those guys Wyatt was awesome um brody belt did well in in, in his spring that he had Yant is 6'2", and Travis Fisher said he might be pushing 250 pounds. That is a big dude. And when we saw him, um, we just, I mean, we just published a, a story on Monday morning, whatever this is. This is Monday morning, right? That's correct. Yeah, time is a flat circle. Um, with a picture of Yant, and he looks like a big dude. He looks like a physically fit dude. And uh, I think it was Sean Becton that said he came in last July out of shape. Doesn't look out of shape right now. So you've got all of that. They've been talking about him. They've been talking about like Greg Austin says, yeah, he will run our alignment over if we don't get out of the way, which is like maybe a good thing, maybe not a good thing. Um, but then you, you look at, at, you know, high school production, he had 500 and what do you have 583 yards um, as a senior, 908 yards as a junior. So he wasn't relied upon heavily like you would maybe expect to see from a guy that size at the high school level. Um, he did have 10 touchdowns in both seasons. Maybe he's a guy that they feel can be like a goal line power back. Maybe he's a guy they feel can be like a short yarded situation kind of back and not necessarily, you know, like a, like a typical number two guy. Um, Irvin, like I looked at this as well, true freshman production from running backs, unless you've got a guy you know, what I found was that the five stars, the really highly rated running backs, they got a lot of opportunity, but opportunity didn't always translate to production. The five-star guys that I looked at, I looked at like 400 something running backs that have signed to power five schools over the last five years. Five-star guys averaged something like 350 yards in their first season. Now they had more carries on average than four and three-star guys. 
and obviously more yardage because they had more opportunity. Um, but of the 25 best seasons amongst those true freshman running backs, I think only five of them came from top 100 recruits. Um, like you're just not going to get a ton of production from a first year running back. And particularly at Nebraska, Maurice Washington is the only one who has played a significant role as a true freshman. Marvin Scott had 24 carries for 62 yards last year. Now it was a weird year. They only played eight games as opposed to a typical 12, but the year before that Ramir Johnson had 21 carries for 64 yards. Um, So the last two years, they just haven't run their, their true freshman a ton. They had Dedrick Mills. So maybe that's the difference, but I'm not overly concerned about Marquis steps health until we get to the summer and there continues to be, if there continues to be problems. So for me, I think I might pick Yant. Yeah. I, I, I like that pick. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into to why here a, a little bit. I, Cause I look at both of these guys and that's kind of the key question for me. I'm like, okay, we've heard good things about both of them. Is one of these guys like capable of being Nebraska's say third leading rusher this year or second leading rusher, or are we just kind of waiting for some like nagging injury stuff to work itself out? And we've got a wide open battle. In the, I mean, I think we'll have a wide open battle in the fall, no matter what. Um, and I, and I do kind of think if, if that's what we're talking about um, and I, you, you mentioned the story you did on, on freshman running backs, definitely go check that out. That was, that was a great deep dive into it's always important. Um, one of the things I try to do on this podcast regularly is, is just like set expectations. Like here's what's normal and, you know, adjust from there. If you expect something higher than that, why? If you expect something lower than that, why? Um, with Yant, because he's a little bit more of a specialist. So, so you mentioned, you know, you can look at his numbers and know that, okay, he wasn't like, well, we ran the ball 60 times a game. And if he could handle 48 of those carries, we gave him to him. But the 20 touchdowns tell you that, you know, he was, I get strong. This was a guy who I think was, I don't think he overlapped with your first season. Um, I get strong Imani cross vibes from Yakez Yant. Um, Imani was a physical freak. He was from a small town in Georgia. He was like Nebraska's, I think, second or third back in whatever class he was in. But he was just there. He was like, he, he was up for whatever. Um, there were times when Nebraska needed to lean on him. Um, he had a huge run against Wisconsin, which shocked everybody because he's like 240 pounds and, and chiseled from stone. Um, that's the kind of vibe I get from Ant. Like you can look at it, much less the photo that's on, on Hale Varsity this week. You can look at his bio picture on Huskers.com and just be like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a big dude. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got that, the connection with he came from Travis Fisher's high school. Like, clearly this was, I think, hey, we, we're going to take a, take a shot on this guy because we think there might be something there. Ultimately, my pick would be Irvin, which is probably the more expected Ooh. one. I mean, he's the, you know, the four-star running back. He, he played at Buford in Georgia, which this was within the last two or three years. Um, so maybe Gabe Irvin was even there. I was in the Atlanta airport getting ready to fly on a Friday to wherever Nebraska was playing that week. I don't remember. And the Buford high school football team, like goes strolling by like 60 guys all in their, their warmups. And I couldn't see the front of them. I was like, who is this? Because they look like an FCS team. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really high level of football. Like we know that about Georgia, but Buford in particular has like steadily been going up in, in class size. So I think they want to, I think Irvin, in fact, won a state title at four a, which is the third biggest. And then won it again at five a last year, um, his numbers first team, all state in Georgia's no joke. So is he going to be nebraska's primary ball carrier in 2021 no i don't think so i think that's a little bit of spring talk but i wouldn't be surprised if if he's very good and it's it's been a little bit since nebraska's truly hit on a on a running back like i always seem to like the talent in that room um but 
since Amir Abdullah, it's it's hard to be like, oh yeah, that was clear. That was a clear win. I think some of my favorite Brandon Vogel stories are these stream of consciousness stories of of <laughs> when football team various football teams walk by you because the you're watching UCF in the Peach Bowl or whatever it was and you see Auburn for the first time. That's one of my favorite all time stories. Just yeah. just the the reactions that you have and what goes through your head. It, it usually spurs a lot. I'm usually somewhere, somewhere, one of the gears in my brain is always turning uh, on football. So when I'm presented with like, Hey, here's some football dudes. What do you think about that? Um, kind of, it's hard not to, uh, not to have some sort of reaction, but yeah, Auburn, Auburn looked really impressive in pregame warmups in that, in that peach bowl. Um, UCF won that game, didn't they? And then yeah. UCF beat them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, this entire spring for me with regards to running back has been an exercise in managing expectations because how much do I want to believe like what is being said about Yant will translate and, and, and Irvin too. They talked about Irvin a ton before, you know, we had that practice and he wasn't out there. Um, how much of, of the talk will translate to, um, opportunity in the fall, because that's ultimately what it's about. At the same time, you know, my brain is like, okay, well, I mean, they can only talk about who's available to them. So, like, if a guy isn't practicing, they're not going to talk about him. Um, so, I, you know, and, and that's just so hard because we get such small windows into what's happening. So, you know, like, I think that this, this spring game will be super interesting in sort of setting the field for the running back competition, who's going to play if there are, if there, if all of the guys are available minus step and Yant still plays a big role, I think that signals something for the fall. If all of the guys are available and Irvin plays a big role and produces, I think that signals something as to where he stands in the room. If there are a few guys out, like let's say like Savion Morrison is out and like Ramir Johnson is still out. And then like one of Ronald Tompkins and Marvin Scott is limited. Um, then I think, you know, we kind of have to kick the can down the road a little bit as to, you know, deciding in our brains what's real and, and what's just spring ball fodder. Um, interesting. I was not expecting you to go with, with Gabe Irvin. Interesting. So I looked at 442 players, 62% of them had less than 100 yards rushing in their first year. Um, but like the correlation between the best seasons and highly rated prospects was very, very weak. So could Gabe Irvin come in here and have a thousand yard uh, AJ Dillon like season? That would be so cool for Nebraska. If that happened. <laughs> it needs something nice to happen. It really would. It, you know, it would be, it, it would be good to like hit a clear, no doubter bat flip home run uh, with, with one of these, one of these recruits, you know, Nebraska, Nebraska's had some good ones and has had some success and some guys that, I'm really high on, but somebody like that, where it's like eight months ago, like we knew the guy's name and we watched his huddle highlights and that's about it. And now here he is. He looks like one of the best players in the big 10. It's, it's been a little bit since Nebraska's had one of those. And the thing with Irvin too, he's, he's six one one ninety. I mean, he's not a small guy. Um, Ronald Tompkins and Ramir Johnson, I believe are both under six foot. Yep. They are five, uh, five, 11, five, 10 Scott's five, nine looks more like a bowling ball than, sort of a every down kind of back um like urban's not a small guy so if we're talking about yant sort of his physical stature urban has a little bit of that to his game too yeah i think i think he does and you know i i think you're one thing that interests me about this spring game with the recruiting setup for it so recruits can come but that's like it they can't talk to the coaches they got to buy a ticket like everybody else um can't tour the facilities like does that put pressure on, not put pressure, does that incentivize Nebraska to like hold a little bit less back if you're trying to impress, you know, eight guys in the stands with what this offense can do? There's no obvious answer to that, but just something I'm wondering about as, as we get ready for get ready for the spring game. Oh, that's absolutely my biggest question. How cagey are they going to be with their offense? Yep. Yeah. yep. Because it's, it's going to be televised. And we know from coaches all across the country, like, you know, major hesitation about putting that stuff on film, which I obviously by the tone of my voice don't buy. I do have one more <laughs> pick one 
that uh, I didn't ask you to prepare for. It's the most okay. important one. Red or white? I really thought you were going to go with red hot dog or uh, Val's pizza. Um, red. Red pants. All red. They should do yep. that for the spring game anyway. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've gone back and forth with this one. I, for a large portion of my life, while well, my high school is red, that's probably part of it. I'm also from Nebraska. Um, I, I considered myself a red person. But if we're talking about just the football uniforms, I, th- I think I like the whites better. Particularly all white, which I know is gets you in trouble here quickly. But All white is a clean look. It needs to be red, red, and white, white. I don't know if I'd go all red all the time, but I do want to, I would like to see it come out occasionally. I believe the last time, well, I shouldn't say that. It definitely happened in 1986 against Oklahoma. Nebraska got beat. And I don't recall seeing it since then. We've obviously seen the all whites at various points. I am very matchy matchy across the board though. This is not just specific to Nebraska football. Like I want you to wear the same color top as same color pants. So like the Oklahoma city thunder um, for a stretch there would wear like blue uniforms with instead of blue accessories, they would wear orange accessories and it would always bother my kind of (laughs) OCD level brain. You're a monochrome guy. Yep. Big time. I can dig it. Well, Derek, thanks for being the first ever guest on the IED Preview Podcast. I think we will wrap it here. Gave you a good about about an hour. So that should get you from Omaha to Lincoln or from anywhere else. Uh, you may be coming to you for the spring game. It'll just be nice. Nice to have football back. Um, be sure to to check out hailvarsity.com, of course, first and foremost. I know. We'll have spring game coverage all throughout the week. I mentioned Greg Smith, our recruiting analyst. He already has a list up of expected visitors. Um, and that'll be updated throughout the week. Derek's working on a series of some of the biggest storylines going into going into the game. We're hard at work on the the May issue and the yearbook, which which comes out in June. So subscribe now. Get all of the premium content online. Get those two magazines. They're going to be good ones. And then, of course, the ever-growing podcast network. Um, Got some long-range plans in the works for that. But right now, after you get done with this, you can go back and listen to all of Derek's podcast, the Varsity Club podcast, the the OG Hail Varsity podcast original. We've had Hail Varsity Radio for for a long time. Um, But yeah, check out Greg with, with Mind Your Own, Jacob Padilla, the Nebraska Preps podcast, and then Aaron and Sasha, of course, with Mind Your Own podcast. So plenty to listen to in the lead up to the spring game. Derek, thanks a lot for joining. Longtime listener, honor to finally be on. Thank you. A Huda Media Production.